she did it. None of my none of my thoughts for tonight are formed at all. No, that's fine. So, so this this could be the best podcast that we make or the worst. We can like edit stuff out, so it's fine. We can just we can just start talking. Uh the fast and loose episode. Fast and loose episode. It'll be good. Is that um, what we're gonna call it? Oh, I don't know. Because you press record, I feel as if I can't say anything. Yeah, that's like just, totally just in you case. Before. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, seekers. <clears throat> okay. Hail and welcome to Circle Talk, a podcast for seekers, initiates, and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We are your hosts. Hi, I'm Peter, a high priest and coven leader from South Wales. Hi, I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from the New England area of the US. Hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader from just outside New Orleans, Louisiana. And I'm Josie, a high priestess and coven leader outside of Melbourne, Australia. We are a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian craft and explore differing opinions on how the Alexandrian is practiced in various covens around the globe. Listeners are reminded that while we are all initiates of the Alexandrian tradition, we only speak for ourselves and not for the tradition as a whole, which is an almost impossible thing to do. This is episode 32 and our very last episode of season two. If this is your first episode, welcome. You might want to take a moment to pause this and go back to listen to our introductory episodes right back at the start. Episode zero, introductions, and episode one, definitions. Or check them out after you enjoy. So in this episode, because it's our season finale, we thought we get a lot of questions from listeners that's not true that's a complete lie we don't get a lot of questions from listeners. i'm lying we get some questions but send us some questions but or send us questions we please. do get questions but we really can't talk about them on episodes because a lot of them are Mm-mm. send us questions that we can talk about please but we get a number of questions from our listeners uh and and um, we we think up episode ideas too all of which don't really give us enough for an entire episode so we thought we'd have a bit of a, a bit of a um like free for all for this episode and we're going to dive in to some of these questions and topics so it's a bit of a a bit of a fruit salad for you today all right are we just going down the list or will we take turns picking a question maybe i like that i'll try to strike them out as we go through them okay um i will go first Choosing a question from our list. My question for the group is, what is your favourite part of ritual? So for me, I see ritual as one big, long, continuous rite. So I'm just going to say all of it. I love absolutely everything that we do in ritual. Um, that's kind of a cop-out answer, really. I know that. Uh, I would say I would say the whole like setting up of the temple. I like getting things on the altar I like making sure that things are in the air quotes right place. You know, I like I like all the build up because, you know, I like the bells and smells. So yeah, I think for me it's it's the beginning because you're you're creating something, you're making that something new, and then you're carrying that forward. So yeah, cop out Nancy and then a little bit more of a better answer. No, that was good. That was a great answer. Um I don't know if the question means like your favorite part of ritual, is it like your favorite like time during a ritual or the best thing about ritual I'm not sure um I think for me it's very similar to Peter it's the it's the setting up it's the anticipation side of it and it's the smells it's it's clicking everyone's brain and getting ready to do ritual 
So mine is not the setting up part. I have to, because like often I'm like hosting and I'm trying to get temple set up and I'm trying to get my potluck meal. And I would really like a shower before people come over and I don't have that many initiates. So like, I can't trust them to take care of everything like in regards to setting up temple. So, uh, but I do like the opening of our circle. We have like a very ritualized um, liturgy for opening temple and it includes like the same song every single time. Um, we often have a song that we play ahead of time to set the mood. Like we do Fields of Gold for Lamas and Autumn Equinox like by Sting. We listen to Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles for Spring Equinox before we get rolling. So like that part of like, you're finally in temple, you're getting the mood set, you're about to cast circle and then you start casting circle and you have all these triggers that are immediately hitting you. Um, somebody's bringing in the incense gets lit and so on. I think that's probably one of my pieces. My other big favorite piece is the parts that are sort of set aside explicitly for worship. So I'm not going to go super in depth just because of the piece I'm picking, but the adoration. I kind of want to yeah. change my answer now. <laughs> Me too. Can I, can I change? <laughs> I, Actually, um, no, go. I have the same answer as James. <laughs> we got the same answer. <laughs> I have the same answer as G because I was like, hang on, I don't have any initiates either and it is really hard. And sometimes <laughs> I have to have a shower while they're here. I often Wait. have to have a shower while they're here. Yeah, I'm like, oh, here's a cup of tea. I'll be back in a minute. I'm off having a shower. <laughs> Running down the hall with my towel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same. That's why bigger covens <laughs> right. have more drama, but more help. <laughs> Um, okay. Thank you. Those were great answers and I hope people found them enlightening. Uh, gee, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, I will ask if you weren't Wiccan, what would you, if you had never found Wicca, like never discovered it, where do you think your like religious spiritual practice would have ended up? So I think I would either be, I think I would either be Buddhist or possibly Catholic. Now the reason I lean into kind of Buddhism is because I do a lot of Reiki as well. Well, I say I do a lot of Reiki. I've I've recently rekindled my love of Reiki and and, and everything to do with that. I've um I've done the three degrees of Reiki, and there's a lot of from the from a traditional Japanese point of view, at least anyway. There's a lot of leanings from Buddhism. There's a lot of teachings from Buddhism there. So, I think that would that would gel well with with the style of Reiki that I practice. And I think the reason that I would possibly be Catholic is because, like I said earlier, I love the bells and smells and the Catholics are all about the bells and smells. You know, I like the fact that there's organization maybe is the wrong word, but the fact that there's almost like a goal, like, you know, you're aiming towards something. I quite like that in Catholicism as well. And I think that kind of like links up with with how I view my wicker. At least there's there's always a goal when you set in a circle. There's always going to be something that's the end the end piece you know we're all moving towards this this working this spell this right whatever it is um yeah i think i'd either be buddhist or or catholic which is funny because no one in my family are christian at all like no one has any kind of christian leanings so yeah so i was raised catholic um in that kind of small town kind of catholic um but i think i'd probably have ended up heathen so still pagan but not Wiccan I was in a heathen group when I found Wicca um I don't think I'd still be in that group because like a lot of heathen 2000s it became a little bit problematic um and ended up folding which was a real shame but I took a lot away from it and some of the 
ritual skills especially that we were practicing and learning um became transferable to other things um and you know it was seasonal it was very um hearth-based it was very community-based a little bit like a coven but not um I think I would have stayed in heathen but I'm I'm really glad I found we <laughs> so I found this one really interesting because um as y'all know I was raised in contemporary paganism second generation and I find it difficult looking at mainstream religions outside of contemporary paganism and really getting what they are at because I would have to completely shift paradigms. Um, with that said, uh, looking at mainstream religions, Zen Buddhism, um, it's been about a year going and sitting in Zazen at one point as a side practice. Um, then beyond that, some form of contemporary paganism, maybe Druidry. Um, I am in the order of Bards of the Eastern Druids, or maybe Arnriak Bang, or quite possibly one of the other witchcrafts. I do have heavy influence from 1734, my personal practice, but then there's also things like the very tradition um, here in the U.S. that kind of have a draw. So I was also raised Catholic, and I didn't know that other kinds of Christianity really existed because where I grew up like you were Catholic or you were Jewish that was pretty much what I I knew a few people I guess who did other things but I didn't it was like very much outside of my experience and I was very religious growing up I was very much a Marianist unsurprising and I wanted to be a nun for a really long time and then I ended up Wiccan but I think if I had known that Episcopalian was a thing that existed and that women could be priests within other sort of um, high churchy kinds of Christianity that I think I might have just done that. I think I would have become like an Episcopalian priest and I would have liked having my own congregation and Episcopalians often still have a lot of bells and smells, um, but women are allowed to have, you know, power. So that would have been nice. Um, that's where I would have ended up. Have like, an aside question to this it's not on the list and i'm breaking it. all of this said do you think you would have been an atheist ever no no that was difficult for me to answer because i approach spirituality from there's more than one way for things to be real mm. and so then it becomes difficult to say yes or no when even if you say well the gods are nothing but archetypes well archetypes are a thing so mm. they exist so it just it becomes difficult when how you break down the semantics of definitions and language yeah no i see what you're saying i see what you're saying i think um i'm kind of as you were speaking i was kind of pondering on uh humanity's need for rich whether they know it or not um i have a friend who's writing a phd on the irish diaspora in australia um and a lot of the uh like agnostic practices here um especially like commemorative things and ritualized things like if there's a car crash um there are certain things that people will put on the side of the road where that person has died comes to us apparently from the irish um and she she writes in her work about how people will say oh well i'm not i'm not religious and i don't have any ritual in my life and then we'll blow out the candles on a birthday cake you know um i think humans seek this out in whatever is comfortable for them. I don't think you can live a life without some kind. The question of ritual is really different from whether or not somebody would still be 
be an atheist, right? Like, I think for me, both of those answers are yes. Like, I can't imagine a point in which I'm not um, really devoted to my gods, whoever those are. And I also can't imagine a point like my life staying like as an individual practitioner for a really long period of time. Like I've, I generally enjoy the energy that comes from having multiple people from having a group sharing. Um, and so like, regardless, I think, you know, people might still end up in a UU, um, people might end up just like, even if it's joining a choir, like I, in college, I was very pagan, but I sang in a Methodist church choir because I really liked the music, you know? So I do think we find little bits of ritual, even if it's outside of our like belief system. Yeah, very much so. I think, I, sorry, I didn't mean to draw such a long bow between atheism and and all ritual. Um, but yeah, I was just musing on humans sort of need for that there's a really good book I'll find it and mention it again in a well I don't know there's a whole bunch of really good books out there on why people need ritual that I think people should check out that our listeners should check out and um I make my seekers read because I think they're super interesting mm. um, I will also note that there are as we know but just for the sake of listeners that there are lots of Wiccans who are atheists who would consider themselves atheists. And even if I find that a smidge confusing, or it's definitely not a paradigm that would work for me, uh, they are out there. So I have not come across atheist Wiccans before. I apologize, atheist Wiccans. So I'm, yeah, definitely initiates as well. So on the, the ritual aspects, I don't remember where I picked the language up, or I would credit, but... Ritual is the enactment of myth, and myth is the enactment of human expression as symbolism. I don't remember where I picked that up. I'm definitely paraphrasing, but it's kind of what I run along with. And because we all start from that point of being human, ritual can be forever. Absolutely. I think it's your turn to pick, James. You're going to make me work. Um... What's the most inaccurate explanation of Wicca a non-Wiccan has ever given you? So I'll start, if that's okay, unless Peter wants to jump on. Um, I had someone who literally explained Harry Potter and said they had learned all about Wicca from those books. And I was so fumbled that I couldn't even put words together to explain to them that it's not at all their Harry Potter verse. So I want to jump in there because... My kind of path into witchcraft and then which led me to Wicca was through Harry Potter. <laughs> but not at one point did I say, oh yeah, J.K. Rowling is writing about Wicca because she wasn't, right? Like, I was there, My one of my family members bought me the Chamber of Secrets for Christmas when it came out because he wasn't sure whether I was... I, I'd read the first one or whether I was like into reading. I wasn't really into reading. So it went underneath the bottom of my bed. And then I'm cleaning my bedroom out months later and find this book, High Potent Chain of Secrets. And I was like, oh, I'll, yeah, you know, I'll start reading it. Um, And then I was like, oh, okay. Maybe there is something more out there. <laughs> and then kind of like researched into witchcraft and found Wicca. So, you know, I'm not saying that Harry Potter is a gateway drug to witchcraft and Wicca, but I also am. Um, 
yeah that's yeah that's I, that was that was all i had to say because i think it's i think it's quite funny when people ask me how did you how did you get into witchcraft and wicca and i'm like well there's these four characters three characters right <laughs> and then i just reel off all the harry potter books and like yeah this is me um i was gonna say just now that most of this is just gonna be like stereotypes right isn't it it's like you know when when people say that wicca is all like light and love and laughter live live laugh love on your wall kind of thing and i'm like no no it's like it's not you know and just like you know covens covens don't exist anymore. Do, do covens still exist yeah covens still exist you know did you know do, people don't really do initiations like that do they well number one like what like what is your reference material and number two probably yeah still you know i think i think a lot of mine comes from the stereotypes that people have about wiccans like wicca 1c kind of thing compared to wicca 2c um yeah no one has really ever said anything quite quite like that to me yet james but i'm i'm sure they're out there and maybe we'll get some fan mail from them from this podcast <laughs> so mine happened like i i could say i mean maybe i'll save it in case Josie uses it but i there are lots of things that i think we could we've all probably heard but my favorite that i just heard like a week ago no two weeks ago and really pissed me off was somebody wrote um in response to a a little clay thing somebody had made and posted on the Wicca subreddit uh, that inverted pentagrams and skulls are not Wiccan. Like Wicca wouldn't dabble with such a thing. And somebody else asked if if the original poster was doing animal sacrifice to have included skulls. And like a whole lot of people said the inverted pentagram was like devil worship and Wicca is not about that kind of thing. Um, and I had so many feelings like this idea that Wicca's love and light, right? This idea that Wicca doesn't dabble with death or doesn't, somebody said, you know, Wicca doesn't deal with like corporeal remains or like you can't, Wicca is a religion about, of life, right? And you can't have a religion of life if you don't talk about the way that life ends and then reforms. That's just super duper fundamental so this was like such a bonkers take to me and especially this like the inverted pentagram is just for devil worshippers thing was also so ignorant i don't know why i think it's surprised at what things are still floating around as like really horrible ideas um also like wicca has appropriated everything from other cultures is another one that i find super frustrating cultural appropriation is a real problem etc etc but like wicca initiatory wicca is the most british shit that has ever Britished. It is like, it is very tea and cake or death. Like it is very crumpety. I don't know even like, it's so, it's, it's so. Very, it's very doily orientated. It's very doily oriented. It's very like, wow, we're so um, like edgy and like liminal because we're naked and it's like post-Victorian era and we're going to clutch our pearls. You know what I mean? Like it's so British. And so, um, and like that the wheel of the year was appropriated, I think is my favorite um, thing that I heard recently that was appropriated from Celtic people. I'm like, but these are like post-Celtic. I don't know. There's so much out there. Wicca subreddit is like where to go if you want to feel really um, about misconceptions. But I think it's that this this concept that Wicca is only for like the most goodiest, butterflyiest, like bunny, fluffy, happy-go-lucky floral concept of a religious practice and that like there's nothing dark about it at all dress dress yeah you see that in in some of the witchy books especially sort of from the 90s and the early 2000s it's like unlike wicca blah 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 
Um, and it's clear that the person has no idea um, what Wicca is. They think it is rainbows and unicorns and beautiful fairies, whatever. Um, to your point about it being really British, I had a lot to say and then I looked across my kitchen and I could see a doily on the bench and I can see the crumpets next to the toaster that I'm going to eat for breakfast once I'm done recording. So I will shut up. Um, I had someone tell me once that the goddess is a whale. Um, that was pretty full on. And that, yeah, um, whale song was an inherent part of Wicca because the whales, I can't quite remember, but it was like the whales move around because of the moon and the tides. And so we really should be worshipping whales. And this guy had written reams and reams on uh, yeah, whales. I just want to quickly ask, where do you all meet in these people? Because I... I'd love to meet these people. The internet. But, the internet. Oh, okay. I met mine I, in person. I was I met mine in person. Yeah, I was at work. Mm. See, I try I try not to really hang around on internet spaces that I know are going to just rub me up the wrong way because sometimes I find it difficult not to post and I know that sometimes that can be quite spiky and that is how I need to come across most of the time. But... You know, if you if you're really getting into witchcraft and Wicca, you know you don't really want this little angry irate Welsh man, you know, rambling at you that you're wrong kind of thing. You know, I do. I sometimes I do, but most of the times I don't. I just bite my tongue. I lasted, I think, a day on the Wicca subreddit, and then I just <laughs> I just yeeted myself out of there. I couldn't. I just couldn't. And like I've muted a bunch of the Facebook groups for the same reason. Um, Occasionally, I'll just stick my head in and just look through the door, and it's like that um, community meme where everything's on fire, and the guy comes in, and then I just close the door and walk away again. Just, just close the door slowly and, and be like, "Nope, not not yeah. today." I thought today was the day, but it really just isn't. Mm. I'm not prepared for this. And it's weird as I've gotten older, I've got even less time and tolerance for it all. Like I used to try to be pretty visible on those things, but now not. For- um peter it's your turn oh sorry can i oh sorry add like a silver medal to the one that i think we've all heard that gerald gardner founded that just so we see lots of nude hotties and have sex with lots of because wicca's like one of the least sexy his first priestesses were all pretty spicy i think would most certainly have spoken out about him if he had been abusing them um so it's just such a straight like gerald gardner is one of the least sexy people i've in my life for sure for sure right so it's just such a strange take when people when people say this um but that's one that comes up and off it's very popular right now it's like having a research it's always been around but it's like there's nothing about that that we want to like have lots of sex with lots and i just don't g g g we're not up to hot takes yet why don't you say that gerald gardner isn't sexy for them that's my unpopular opinion you see my (laughs) unpopular opinion was going to be that gerald gardner is sexy so Let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> that was also a joke. Like, we're not going to talk about that. Um, I know it's my turn for the question, so I'm going to pick what is your preferred method of divination? Shall I start by answering my own question? My preferred method of divination is not to divine. I I am just, I'm appalling at divination. We've spoken about this a number of times on this podcast. I am like Hermione when it comes to divination. In I think it's the Prison of Azkaban where she's mocking Professor Trelawney, which is going, use your inner eye, use your inner eye. You know, I just, I, I just, I don't get, a, I don't get along with divination, so therefore I don't do it. But I'm not good at it because I don't do it. So it's, it's a vicious cycle. And my high priestess 
is trying to make me break the cycle through like exposure therapy. So sometimes I might be at her house and she might say, right, let's get the cards out. And I'm like, oh, I, I got to leave. I've, I've got like a doctor's appointment or something. I, I, I can't stay. And she's like, no, 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 no. We will get the cards out. And I'm like, no, you know, I, I can admit that it is a flaw within me. And it really winds me up because like when I, when I think of a air quotes traditional witch, he or she, or they have like a set of tarot cards. They've got all the other kinds of divination going on. And I'm like, damn it, I want to be, I want to be that old spinster cottage woman with all of the tarot decks that I can just pick out freely and then just be an amazing tarot reader, for example. So I'm I'm self-aware enough to say that I need to practice divination more. But yeah, I, I just I I find it one of the more difficult skill sets to practice from you know, like a, a BTW training method. You know what, though? I think we've talked about, I don't know, there was some episode. There's been so many episodes. There was an episode where we talked about everybody having like a magical like vocation within their wicker and, and not everything yeah. is for everyone. I am shithouse at herbs, so I'm really <sighs> pleased to hear that you you don't like divination. <laughs> I love the herbs, though. Like I, I can am... grow the herbs. I just don't ask me to make stuff out of them. We'll we'll do like a little Zoom session. Like you can teach me tarot and I can teach you herbs. Sure, <laughs> happy to. Um, my preferred uh, has been tarot for a really long time. I also really like the witch's runes or the stones O'Leary, which is like a lesser known um, divination system. We think created by uh, crap, crap, crap. Dolores Ashcroft Wiki. Um, Twelve stones, very very simple. It's a similar reading style. I don't know if anyone's ever read Lenormand, but it's very it's very literal. Um, I've started to learn Lenormand. I'm not very good. So the Lenormand cards, unlike tarot where it's all sort of, it comes to us in the Kabbalah and it's it's very um, deeply symbolic and there's so many different layers to things in the Lenormand sometimes. Not always, but sometimes like a card is just what's, what's on it. Sometimes the sun can be like a literal, the sun. Um, which I quite like, and it invites me to think in a different way about dimension. I love scrying. I'm not really giving my favourite. I'm just listing off all the things that I like. Mm, Stones O'Leary is my favourite, the witch's runes. Yeah, my my problem with things like scrying using a black mirror or inking water or waxing water is sometimes I worry that my own subconscious is is colouring it too much, if that makes any sense. And then I And then I kind of get stuck in a pattern of, Am I really interpreting or divining something, or am I just kind of projecting that into the like into the crystal ball or into the water, or you know, do, like does that make sense? It does. One of the things that I was taught, because this is a common like worry. One of the things that I was taught was if you are projecting things, probably coming from somewhere anyway, and like you can extrapolate that into like literally all of the ritual we do is created by Petrali. Most of the work was was made up by someone somewhere. So if you are on some level making something up, think about where it's coming from and what's inspiring. I'll I, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. <laughs> I also have that um, perspective. I think it's kind of like placebo effect, right? If the medication or whatever you're taking is working, then does it really matter if it's because your brain is making it work or because the medication is actually having a physiologic impact on you. Um, so I think if a lot of times with divination, 
my preferred method is pendulum. And I do think that what the pendulum is really doing is just letting me talk to myself and to get those sort of subconscious ideas out there. Um, and I don't think that matters whether it's me who's doing it like some some quieter part of me or if it's spirit or who whoever whatever because I'm getting information that I really need um I have similar issues we've talked about before with subjective um divination things that are more subjective like tarot or like scrying um because I have an anxiety disorder and if I'm not doing well then my anxiety disorder absolutely taints the reading that I'm getting whereas the pendulum is really like I've got yes I've got no and I've got I don't know don't ask me that and like that's a very simple way to sort of I can't go too crazy with that um my high priest also has an anxiety disorder he despises tarot um so you should talk to him about that next time um Peter his wife is one of the best tarot readers that I know so that's kind of ironic and I think that's why he doesn't like it which is weird but he's a scryer and he also has anxiety and I think it's interesting that a lot of the things that come up on his scrying are like the things that he's the most worried will happen. And so I have a lot of questions about then like how effective of a method of divination is that really for you, right? If you're just convincing yourself that the worst situation is the one that might come out. So I do think that makes it a little bit more, more complicated. So I think it depends on what I'm using it for. Um, if I'm doing a reading, I grab the ohm. Um, I have a set of ohm staves made from each tree that they're represented by. If I'm doing some form of introspective work where I look at the relationship between things, I'll grab tarot. Um, deeply fascinated by Southern Conjurer's method of throwing the bones, although I don't know how to do that. I'm utterly fascinated by just the prospect of it. Um, I know some people who can do it. And then I do use scrying, but I don't use scrying for divination. I use scrying as a form of spirit communication. So that's me. Those were good answers. Those were not the answers I was expecting. Maybe I'm shit at divination. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a divination joke there for you. <laughs> I only just caught on. And yeah. I was like, what, what's she talking about? <laughs> yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> didn't, see, didn't see that one coming. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, this is going well. I would like to know, please, or is it time to go to spicy things? Yeah. Let's go hot takes. What is your hot take? Somebody's going to have to explain what a hot take is to me because I have no idea what a hot take is. So it's like so it's like something that's like could be controversial. It's a little not like an unpop unpopular opinion, but like like a um oh, how do I explain it? It's not that dissimilar to a to a uh, an unpopular opinion, but I think it's just it's a take that like is gonna have a lot of debate that goes along with it, or is like a very strong opinion, um, like kind of like pineapple. On it's I don't think there's a lot of people who like pineapple on pizza, so I consider that an unpopular. But it is a thing that a lot of people feel really strongly about, right? Like that would be like a hot take. Yeah, so something that's going to generate a bit of debate, something that could be seen as like revolutionary or like a bit edgy. Mm. Do you have a hot take? I don't know whether I do. Given those definitions, I, I don't know whether I have a hot take. Uh, maybe if you guys like start talking and you give your hot takes, it'll it'll solidify in my mind and I'll be like, right, I've got five hot takes. My hot take is that 
same sex initiation or same gender initiation is just as valid as opposite gender initiations. Okay, I fully understand a hot take. And I don't consider it an unpopular opinion because the more people you talk to, the more you realize it's it's not an outrageous, it's not unpopular in the way that like Gerald Gardner was a sexy beast would be something I think you'd find very few people to agree with you. Um, I think increasing numbers of people are coming coming to agree with their with the opinion that um, same sex same gender initiation works perfectly well, like it takes. And it creates a perfectly valid initiative. So that's my that's my hot take. I think if we are saying that we are the vessels and the vehicles and the meat bodies of the gods, then when we are initiating somebody, we are we are kind of air quotes going through the motions because it's really the gods that accept you as an initiate. If if people shun you because you've had a same sex initiation, same gender initiation. And don't bother with those people. There are, I, I, you know, I don't even know, thousands. Maybe, maybe that's a good number. Thousands of of initiates and also non-initiates as well that would be willing to accept somebody who is or who had a same sex or same gender initiation. There are thousands of people, and if there is a handful of people, because really that's what it boils down to. Out of all those thousands. Don't bother with those people. It's as simple as that. And, you know, what goes on behind closed doors is no one's, no one else's business apart from that coven. So unless there are people going around saying, you know, yeah, I was, you know, I had a same-sex initiation and blah, blah, blah. No one no one is going to know, you know, because no one, no one has come up to me and said, were you initiated by a high priest or a high priestess? Well, the answer to that really is they were, they were both there. The high priest and the high priestess were both there. And they both had a part to play in my initiation. I know that there are more opinions than this than mine. But come on. But <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just percolating for a second. I think a lot of the arguments against same gender initiation that I've heard bring in a lot of the similar stuff that was brought in when. So we had a, we had a vote on whether, um, gay people could get married here in Australia, and a lot of the. Arguments against are similar to what I've heard against same initiation, which is, oh, it's a slippery slope. But when I think about that, I'm not sure what they think it's a slippery slope to. Like, you're yeah, initiating goats next. Do you yeah. know, I was just, I was going to say the same thing. What do they mean? Oh, that's a slippery slope. You're going to initiate a hamster. Like, mm. what are you? Are you going to initiate a building? Because, <laughs> you know, that's what. What do they mean when people <laughs> say, oh, oh, it's a slippery slope. You know, we need to we need to be traditional, you know. Yeah, that's right. Be traditional. You know, that woman is worth more than one goat. There's at least five goats. <laughs> that, that, that kind of like rhetoric. What is a slippery slope? I, I'm going to initiate my bed uh, <laughs> and make it my working partner so that I can get more sleep. I, so, I, I would do that. In my rhetoric class, they called the slippery slope argument a logical fallacy because just because you're willing to move the bar once doesn't mean you open the floodgates or all subsequent notches or movement. But it's a very common fallacy used in arguments to draw attention away from the room. Or so said rhetoric class said. Um, but hot takes wise, um, on a different note, um, of the opinion of the Wicca, of the Wicca, of the Wicca. 
I don't care what your tradition is. If you're in the brotherhood, I'm sharing. Um, I'm more than willing to uh, expand that beyond what many people will include because as long as you're tracing lineage and practicing Wicca as I can recognize it, and your initiation has all the proper elements, you're, you're in the club. And so frequently I will be like, oh, well, that's such and such a lineage. They're not necessarily of the Wicca anymore because they've added this, this, and this. I don't care what you added. You left the stuff I care about there. So you're in. And so I, I run into that fairly regularly, especially here in the U.S. where Alexandrian Gardnerian have a sharp divide between many covens, albeit not all. Yeah, I this whole divide between like Gardnerian witches and Alexandrian witches, I've never really understood because here in the UK, 99% of us are happy to circle with each other, be it Gardnerians or Alexandrians. You know, it's it's not something I've I've really come across. I've I've heard stories like like you've just said, James, about the fact that you know there are very hardline Gardnerians and very hardline Alexandrians and, and and never the twine shall meet kind of thing. But from my point of view, we are all of the Wicca, so therefore, why shouldn't we be allowed allowed air quotes to practice with each other if we're all venerating similar gods and goddesses and similar uh, godheads? Then why not? I think that's a good that's a good hot take. You could use that as Peter's hot take that circling Alexandrians and Gardnerians circling together isn't a big deal because obviously here in the U.S. it is, but in the, it would be quite a debate. But in Europe, it's just and or Australia question mark? No, in Australia too, right? It's just not a big deal. Yeah, I wasn't answering for you then, Josie. I was going to come in. I was going to come in with something, but what's it? What's it like in Australia? Um. So I was about to use that as my hot take. But it's not a big deal. <laughs> ah. uh, so there it is. We'll double up there. Um, it really isn't. And in Australia, where we have such a small population of humans, and so, of course, a very small population of Wiccan, um, it's becoming less. I wouldn't say it's like the UK, um, but it's certainly a lot closer now than it was 10 years ago. Okay. Gee. Lay it on us. Oh, do we not have any more hot takes? Peter stole mine. Well, I, I didn't even... Uh, Josie gave me that hot take. That wasn't even mine to steal. She just gave it to me on a plate, which had a doily on it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it, if, I, if I think of a hot take, I will, I will just, like, cut across everybody and be like, stop, I have my hot take. I have my hot take. <laughs> That's fair. I will ask, where do we see initiatory Wicca in another 50 years. So at this point, Anishatory Wicca has been around for about, what, 70 years? Be comfortable to say? 70 to 80 years, right? Okay, so Anishatory Wicca has been around for like 70, 80 years. So actually, let's let's extend it that much farther. If, if we go forward another like 75 years, what do you think Anishatory Wicca would look like? So people are arguing over like whether you can teach via hologram or whether you should just teach via video call. Um is it acceptable that your high priestess and high priest are AI? Yep. Um, you know? <laughs> can I write rituals via AI? I do think the hologram thing, like would a hologram count as an in-person initiation or not? Uh, I think that I could definitely see that debate. This 
This is getting very dangerously close to one of the questions that I nearly put on here, which is I've always thought about a lot is Wicca in doing Wicca in space, but we won't get there right now. Do you um, know what that is? That is an interesting discussion, though, because I can't remember whether I was um, at some sort of event where somebody said this, or I read it online somewhere. But you know, we we talk about the directions and. You know, we associate maybe the north with Earth or whatever, but in in space there is no direction, like absolutely mm. none. So really, that begs the question, then, doesn't it? Does it matter if, let's say, we put Earth in in the north? Does it matter if we put Earth in the west or if we put fire in the north? Like, does it does it matter? So some Gardnerian covens do not associate the elements with any of the directions whatsoever. Because of this, I could be like, yeah, the directions are bigger than the element. But if I was playing in space, I'd point at constellations. How would you go being a moon cult if you were in space? We're going to need more people, first and foremost. <laughs> what people we get need to accept me as their god. Um, some brainwashing. Is this still wicked, James? No, no, and then we're moving to South Carol- <laughs> South America and we're drinking some bad Kuwait. You see, this is where it always goes. Um, in all seriousness, though, I would like to see more Wiccans, more Covens, more community, um, both local and worldwide. In Australia, I'd like to see more Alexandrians. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just more, more. More numbers would be a nice start, I think, for me. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would say more covens, more availability maybe is the wrong word because I suppose if you live in a very densely populated city, Wiccan witchcraft is probably going to be more available there than it is if you're in maybe the countryside, for example, and you have to travel hours upon end to get to a coven. So I would say more availability of, you know, in-person training as well because I, I don't think there's any substitute for, for in-person training. I think... Like linking back to the same sex initiation, same gender initiation kind of discussion, I would like that not to be a needable discussion in the future, and that people can just practice Wicca without without feeling worried that they're going to be bombarded by other people saying you're not a true initiate because you did this, or you're not a true initiate because you did that. I think I think every year there is more acceptance within Wicca. And sometimes that's because new people join with already those um, non-prejudices there. But that's also because sometimes people realise that they were wrong and, and they change their minds. And that's, that's okay. That's actually probably the more preferable option right now is that you're already in it and you can, you can change your mind. At any time you can change your mind. So yeah, more, more covens, more, more witches, more initiates and just more acceptance and more doilies. So I see a Wicca where the Wicca we practice today is antiquated. And I don't mean that as in what we do isn't continuing to be practiced or the core traditions aren't being passed. But the relevance we find today will change because every generation has to find their own relevance. So the the relevance my great-grandkids or great-great-grandkids or however far we're going find in Wicca would be different what I find, which is different than what people were finding in the 70s. That's why, uh, hot take, I'm bewildered by those people who try to recreate 70s Wicca because we're not that generation. It's not what we're doing today. 
is no longer relevant to today's cultural socioeconomic situation. So, but looking at Wicca 75 years from now, that's probably the biggest thing is, although the structure and the lineage and all the things we talk about will still be there, the core aspects that people focus on might shift because relevant to what the individuals alive then will find will be different. I think that piece is is really interesting as we've been talking. I think 75 years, we're going to see really significant global shifts in climate, agriculture, food availability. I don't know what the economy is going to look like, like the global economy. I could see Wicca shifting in its focus to be much like, I think we are nominally agricultural at this point in time, right? The wheel of the year kind of follows an agricultural timeline to a certain extent. I could see that taking much more importance. Um, I could see people starting to have discussions about shifting the holidays based on what's actually happening in their climate, like the way that they're, um, when they're warm and cold seasons or dry and rainy seasons are actually occurring. I think a lot of, a lot more people are going to continue to come to eclectic versions of Wicca because I do think there's a real crisis of like spirituality happening. Um, I hope we actually have more covens because I think we also have a, at least in the U.S., and I assume in other parts of the Western world, there's a real crisis of loneliness. Um, it's like a massive psychiatric problem right now. And I think covens and the idea of like having a religious community are a really nice fix to that. So I think that traditional Wicca, um, or at least like the coven structure, is a good way for people to fulfill a lot of different needs in their life. Definitely love the idea of how do we practice Wicca in space. I would absolutely enjoy having that conversation, but I don't think that's going to come up for a while. But... Could we get like different colored spacesuits? Like, you know, if you're a first degree initiate, you get blue. And if you're a second degree, you get, I don't know, another color kind of thing. And we won't have to wear cords. Just wear, you know, the, the thing that attaches to our, you know, breathing apparatus that links us up to the main spaceship. As long that, as you're sky-clad, you've got to be sky-clad underneath, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, obviously, you can't wear clothes in a spacesuit. Yeah. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> um, I am now fantasizing about a space episode. We will have this at some point in future, listeners. I'm going to make a fuss about it. Episode one of season space. three. <laughs> and we can have it echoing. Yeah. Yeah. We? And like, have, like, theremin noises. Talk, circle, circle yeah. Talk. Yep. We great. can play one of those. What um? What's that? What's that? Theremin. Musical instrument. Yes. That nah, we we could play that. That would definitely give us the the cool. Because we still don't like at the end of this episode, we're going to be finishing season two, and then we're going to be starting season three, like pretty soon after that. We still don't have like a theme tune. Maybe maybe we could buy a what is it called a theremin? Am I saying that right? Yeah. And that I've... and and we could make a theme tune on that. We definitely could. <laughs> but should, should we? we? I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know that we will. <laughs> if you if you force the idea of this the space episode, I'm going to force the idea of our theme tune being on a theremin or however you pronounce it. <laughs> Maybe like um for April Fool's Day or something, we'll have a space episode. Okay. Silly space episode. Silly space episode. Okay. Um. It is James's turn, I believe. What's the most difficult part of leading a coven and how do we overcome this? Oh, Q, Q, like we all just did eye rolls and we were like, oh, where do we start? Where do we start? 
I think the biggest challenge of leading a coven, like like from the from the get go, is like the planning, all of the planning that you have to do in order to get even just three or four or five or six people together. Like the more people you have, the more um what's the word, the more moving parts you have. So to try and figure out dates, for example, for Sbats and Sabats that work for everybody. If you're a smaller coven, then there's less moving parts, or you know, it's it, it can it can get going quite quite quicker. But if you've got a lot of people in your coven, that's that's a big task because first of all, you've got to kind of pre-plan the dates, and then you've got to put those forward, and then you need to have like a consultation time where people have to you know they they they're given chance to come back and say, oh, this date works for me, this date doesn't work for me, and if that date doesn't work, then that probably has a knock-on effect to all the others. So. You know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time just from a planning point of view. And that's not even planning the actual rituals or the sabbats that we're going to be practicing. You know, if you're a coven that that likes to celebrate a sabbat differently each time, then that's eight rituals off the bat that you're creating from scratch after the planning, after the consultation. So, yeah, there is there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and sometimes maybe regular air quotes cover members don't really see that so maybe they don't appreciate us fully you know we've all got we all lead busy lives we all have day jobs so then that on top of it it is it's a lot of work the, the yeah the planning that's difficult i am um, one answer i have is balancing the needs of needs and wants of individual coven members myself as coven leader and the needs of the coven like as an entity like what the coven really needs might be like, we need two more people, right? But what your coven members want as individuals is maybe they kind of still need more time and attention. And what you need as a coven leader might be um, more support from like an elder, but you need to train people up to get elders. You know what I mean? So sort of finding a way to balance all those pieces, I think is really tricky. And also finding the time to balance inner court and outer court, if you're like, has made me really disinclined towards outer court, but I also really necessary. So it's just finding the time to be really hard. So I think it's the disproportionate amount of effort that leadership will often bear um, compared to the rest of the coven. That's not always the case. And I think the way you really overcome that is building a culture of shared responsibility, but that still is up to the leadership to facilitate because it's like, who does the planning, who does the teaching, who does this, who does that. Well, some of it can only be spread around so much. And so a large amount will sit with the leadership. And like I said, I think overcoming that is culture of shared responsibility. But then there's also just, you got to accept the fact that you stepped into this role and this is what you do now. God's called and you answered. Um, for me, it's all of those things. All of those things I was nodding along to. The organizational side of things is more even than I anticipated. I was just saying to somebody the other day, I didn't realize just how much Google Drive was going to play a part in my coven. Um, the balance thing is something I'm still navigating as well, G, for sure. Um, and yeah, the responsibility um, hits harder than you think too. So definitely all of those things for me, um, just because of being in Australia, and I talked about the population stuff earlier, um, one of the biggest challenges is distance. 
um, and not isolation, but feeling a little siloed sometimes. Um, I'm lucky to have a supportive upline and supportive community around me, but th- there aren't a lot of Wiccans in Australia. So yeah, it's, it's a little strange sometimes, but it's good. Peter is our last one. Okay, so I think following on from that, why did we all choose to get into Coven leadership? Why did why did we choose to run Coven? Because there's there's a there's a lot. Like we could we could have probably kept on going for another full episode with just our previous question, right? There's a lot of 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 things that we could have unpacked. So then a follow on question is why why did we all want to become Coven leaders? Was it a choice? Were you kind of pushed into it? It is very hard to be a priest alone. That's that's my simple answer. So when looking at that, consulting the gods, I answered. Yeah, I was actually going to steal James's um, previous statement of like the gods called and I answered. I just don't think, I don't think I had any other choice in some ways. Um, I love what I do if I wanted to continue worshiping the gods and if they wanted me to and I felt like I had to, then this was, this was it. It's really affirming to hear you both say these things. Um, it was similar for me. It really was a push that felt like it came from elsewhere and I got to a point where I felt like I couldn't do anything, but it didn't really feel like a choice. Yeah, it's almost as if you there was no other option. So there's no other option, which is also a choice. You know, you're you're pulled and you're called towards the high priesthood and with that comes the responsibility more often than not, of training new initiates. You know, if you're third, you're probably training seconds and other thirds and firsts as well. For me, it is about passing on that flame and making sure that what I pass on, I pass on well and that those people can pass it on as well. So I kind of I kind of see it linking toward, towards what we said earlier about where do we see Wicca in 75, 80 years' time. It's about passing on that flame and making sure that the information in order to practice Wicca is passed down. Obviously, it's going to change as generations go down. But yeah, I there's, I can't disagree with any of your comments. It was that calling. It was that fact that I also like teaching. I like the act of teaching. So yeah. All right. This has been excellent. Thank you so much. It was um, good. Yeah, we're going to have to do another one of these. I'd like to. Um, we're at the end of this episode. And today we've spoken about a whole range of things. We have talked about listeners questions and some of the questions we generated ourselves and there's been some great discussion thank you so much um let us know if you'd like to hear us do a similar episode again in future and thank you so much for listening as a reminder you can find us on instagram and facebook as circle talk for witches that's four as in the number twitter as circle for witches or email us at circle talk for witches at gmail.com if you have any questions, queries, thoughts, or ideas for future discussions, definitely do get in touch. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And from all of us at Circle Talk, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and Merry Meet again. <laughs>